At the age of 26, James O'Driscoll, who was a construction worker at the time, woke up one morning to find that the sight in his left eye had gone. Six weeks later, he was blind in his other eye. After hitting rock bottom and wakening up one morning following a binging session, James decided it was time to get his life back on track. Now, nearly 20 years later, James has become the UK's first blind personal trainer. James joins me now to tell us his amazing story. James, thank you so much for joining us on the programme today. Now, you lost your sight very suddenly in your left eye when you woke up one morning to find it completely gone. Yeah, I went to bed uh, normal Tuesday night, uh, woke up on a Wednesday and I couldn't see out of one eye. It really was overnight. Now, you were a construction worker at the time, so, you know, I'd imagine that it kind of put pay to your job, really, didn't it? Because you obviously need your sight to be a construction worker when you're working in a building site. So how long was it before you had to give up work? I mean, your second eye went a few weeks later, I take it. It took about six weeks for both eyes to go. Work-wise, I tried to stand on the Wednesday, went into work on the Thursday, Friday. The thing is, I didn't tell them at work, and I was making mistakes. In those two days, I was making mistakes, and I nearly got run over. I thought, this is too risky. I just had to say to them that I'm going to have to leave. I have to quit. It's a horrible predicament to find yourself in. I mean, I lost my sight very suddenly as well. But, you know, you do try your hardest. I was left with a little corner of sight for for a while. And you do try your hardest to kind of fake your way through it and make out that you're okay. But there does come that point where you've just got to throw in the towel and say, look, I I am struggling. I've, I've got to get something done about this. Now, you did go to doctors and, and you had lots of tests. What did they actually find? It took a lot of uh, poking and prodding. The condition I've got is called Levers Optic Hereditary Neuropathy. It's quite rare. It's uh, passed through the female gene to the male. It's very rare for the men to be carriers. So it was quite rare anyway. And when they finally diagnosed it, a guy from America, a consultant, came over and done it. And, you know, that was it. I was 1 in 20 million. So it's quite a rare, aggressive form of it. Other people have got levers, but it's a gradual thing where it happens young and they get tight back, but mine was really quite blonde. Yeah, that's it. And after a period of time more blood tests, it turns out even rarer, my dad was a carrier as well. So the odds of anyone else in the world having the same condition as me are pretty rare. It's so unfortunate. It really is. I mean, it's, it's, you know, you look at these statistics and you think, you know, why me? Why me? I know I certainly felt why me when I first lost my sight. But then I think you do get to a stage where you think, well, why not me? Why shouldn't it be me? And why should it be somebody else? And, and that, you know, takes a while for that acceptance to kind of come around. But, you know, you found it very, very difficult, didn't you? In fact, you know, you had been into sport, you were into keeping fit obviously you had a, a a very you know kind of labor intensive job so you know you must have been very fit and all of a sudden you found yourself drinking too much smoking too much just living really unhealthily yeah it was like one extreme to another and so like, the, the job i'd done it was, it was great it kept me very fit i went to the gym every now and then because i didn't really need to do anything else and i did the class myself but just everything just spiraled out of control. I didn't go out. It got to a point where I'd get through a couple of bottles of wine in one night and like cigarettes. And I, yeah, it was a very negative 
no pun intended, but a dark place to be. Very much so. And I think, you know, there's there's so many of us listening to your story that can just identify with what you're saying because it, it is a dark time. Uh, it's, it's dark physically, but it's dark mentally as well. And there's always a turning point, though. You have to reach that point where you think, that's it, I can't do this anymore. What was that point for you? Just one morning, I woke up on the sofa, half on, half off, or probably just passed out, to be honest. Put my hand down. It was like a cold pizza with cigarette butts and then I knocked over a can of beer and I thought, this is disgusting, I, I, I can't. I'm better than this, I can't keep doing it. It's destroying anything that I ever believed in. There was a point in my life where I liked myself and that stage, I didn't. I pushed everyone else away, I beat myself up emotionally, mentally and you know, in a way physically. And it wasn't my fault, the whole thing about blame, a lot of people said to me, oh, did you get a bang on the head, did someone punch you, did you walk into a door? It wasn't. It just happened. And that's what I had to try and get my head around. Once I'd got past that bit, then that morning I thought, no, I am better than this. I I am worth something. And it did change very drastically for you, almost as quickly as it had kind of changed beforehand into this awful lifestyle that you'd started living because you saved up, you bought a rowing machine and that was the start for you, wasn't it, of getting back into fitness? I stopped going to the shops and buying cigarettes and beer and alcohol and I, I literally put the money to one side that, you know, the, the money I was getting. I saved up just for my sister and then to go to Alcos. She thought I was crazy. I uh, bought a row machine, put it together and I'll do that for an hour and a half every day. And it got to a point where I was looking forward to it and then I was adding some sit-ups or some press-ups. I remember going around trying to think of things that I could pick up or use as weights, whether it was like some beans or the edge of the sofa. <laughs> it was crazy. I wanted to get back into it. I wanted to do more. And all the endorphins kicked in and I started feeling human again. Do you know, I envy you that so much. I hear about people who get into exercise. They, you know, get this real buzz from exercising and they want to do it. And I just, I can't, I just cannot... <laughs> do it it's awful and I really really wish I had the motivation um but I am trying I will I will keep trying I really will but but, uh you actually decided to make a career out of it didn't you in fact you have become the UK's first blind personal trainer tell us about that I started dragging my nephew along to the gym and stuff like that and because of the stuff I'd done before what I remember there was a guy at the gym he said you know what you're doing you should get qualified and I went really Anyway, yeah, you know, just find out. So I went up to a major international governing body in London and they sat down and had a conversation and I felt more like a guinea pig because they were saying things like, well, how would you do this? How would you do a deadlift? How do you do that exercise? And I was explaining what I would do and how I'd work around it. And they said, well, how are you going to read the book? So I went, well, in electronic format, that's fine. Computers can read nowadays. You know, you've got different software drawers, all different stuff. It's not a problem. If I've got support worker with me, they can see my eyes. That'd be okay. And they actually went down the route of saying, well, if a lady was doing a deadlift and you had to touch her, that's only in a can of worms because she might not want to be touched and think you're making some kind of advance on her and that just caused trouble. Well, not really. It has to be quite invasive (laughs) to to do something like that. No, no, it's not going to happen. From that point on, it took eight years for me to prove that I could actually 
going through the qualification. I think a lot of people think that by putting barriers in front of you that it's going to put you off. But actually, once you have, as you know, a blind person or somebody who's lost their sight, once you've put your mind to actually doing something, there's very few barriers that you know are going to stop you doing what you want to do and I know I had the same conversations with people when I decided I wanted to be a sound engineer you know it was you know for a start this is for boys and you know boys are sound engineers not girls and you're blind you're never going to be able to do it and it was just you know I even had how would you get down the stairs if there was a fire alarm any questions that that came my way I had to keep batting them off and batting them off and it's what you do when you really want to do something Um, and I think a lot of sighted people are the same as well I mean if you put yeah, your mind definitely. to something you you will not take no for an answer unless it's a visit I mean if I would wanted to be a brain surgeon I can see the <laughs> obstacles there I can see yeah. the problems there maybe a commercial pilot but you know for what <laughs> I wanted to do I knew that I could do it without my sight but uh, you did actually convert your own garage to a gymnasium didn't you yes I have yeah it took some time and uh, getting all the equipment and the thing is once I talked to people and I told them what I was doing some people thought really you know I walk into a shop with a guide dog and say right I want to buy this this and this one they have surprised I knew what I was talking about and then like actually have to use it I don't know it changed their minds or changed their outlook a lot of people that I spoke to were like well yeah good for you you know you crack on we can help with as much as we can you know I've got a bit of discount here and there but yeah transform the garage into a fully functional studio now it's just fantastic. It really is. And you've got a great clientele. Tell us about them. Uh, they're very, very, uh, which is brilliant. That's why I love my job. You don't know who you're going to be talking to and who's going to sign up or what their goals are. I've trained people from all sorts, all different ages, from 16-year-olds up to 78-year-olds. Uh, I had one guy who was, he was 71 and he didn't want to train with anyone else. He wanted to train me because apparently he liked the look of me. Very down, I'm very down to earth. What you see is what you get with me. I, I, I don't put airs and pressure. I'm just me. And I think a lot of people realise that. I'm not putting the front on just to raise client base or anything like that. I'm just me. He, he liked that. And he was trying to get the onslaughts or Parkinson's and uh, Alzheimer's. I studied up and got some DVDs and listened to stuff and audiobooks. Just helping with it. One client like that means more to me than anyone who's doing... I don't know, training for a bikini model competition, and which I've done that as well. So varied. You just don't know what's going to be your next client. It's great. And they obviously can see past the the blindness issue, which is great as well. I mean, so they should. But you yeah. would think that, that you know, sometimes you, you do hear stories of people saying, oh, I don't know. I mean, he's blind. I mean, how, how, how did they kind of come to terms with that so readily? Do you think it was personality? Possibly. I think that some people initially might have been intrigued in how I've done it. And then once we started doing a session, you know, they actually forget. Uh, a lot of my clients say they, they don't even think about it. But I'm just doing my job. And when you build up that rapport, the personality does shine through. It doesn't really come into it, I suppose. Well, it's the way it should be. It really is. And you have done remarkably well. I know that, the, you know, you lost your sight. It was a good 20 years ago, wasn't it? Yeah, 19 years ago, yeah. Yep, so roughly about the same length of time as me. And you've gone on to, you know, get married and have a family. Yes. And yeah. are they are they very supportive over the gymnasium? <laughs> my 
son thinks it's a shop. Um, <laughs> and my wife, she wants to be a client, but I can't really charge her. That's not fair. It's great of people come around. It's funny. The family will come around and we'll be, I don't know, talking about weather or the state of the road. And they'll start asking questions about nutrition. And I go, why don't you just pop along for an hour and see what we can do? And then that's where it all starts from. Fantastic. Well, it sounds like you're doing brilliantly. And obviously, if people in the area do want to get in touch with you and uh, find out more about the personal training, what is the best way to do so? Uh, I've got the website, simplyfit.com. Um, fit is spelled with a double T. So it's all about how we train, what we train, how long for, and to what level. So I, I kind of use that. So yeah, simplyfit.com. Um, email me, james at simplyfit.co.uk. Or... Yeah, telephone number. 07 Fantastic. James, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you so much for joining us here You're on welcome. RNIB Connect Radio. Thank you. Yeah, yeah welcome.